Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about Germany. I'm Nick Alton of 40percentgerman.com, and as always, I'm joined by our easily distracted co-host, Dilly Algema, and stalwart producer, Simon Josie, to discuss the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. Hey, Dilly. Hey, Simon. Hi, Nick. Hi, Simon. Hi, Nick. Hi, Dilly. Oh, smooth start. Well done, guys. Right into it. Uh, you'll notice, listener, that I have a very fruity voice this week. I hope you also enjoy this because uh, it won't be here, hopefully, by the next record. But yeah, I've got a bit of a cold. I've had small, small children coughing in my mouth over the weekend. So, and this is this is the result. What do I get? This lovely, lovely voice. Mm. Um, yeah. So, how's it going? What's been going on? I also have a fruity voice because small children and uh, fellow train commuters have been coughing in my mouth and in my face. And there's only so many times one can say, don't get that close to me without appearing on TikTok somewhere, probably. D Dilly, I have to ask, are, are people wearing masks or would you consider wearing a mask in that situation just purely for your own protection? I do wear a mask on the train. And even okay. in school when I'm working, I wear a mask in the uh, corridors, um, in the stairs, because there's no ventilation. And in the classroom, I open the windows and the doors, and there are like machines that check the um, carbon dioxide level. And I ventilate uh -huh. very often um, and make sure that it stays green. It has like levels and the last level is red, which is like danger. I'm very careful about that because I feel that I contract any anything that floats around. But the thing is, you usually have people who are just, I mean, what is it with people, particularly men who just like clear their throats and spit right in front of them? I, I think that's disgusting. I think someone spat in my lift at, at home. And when I say that sort of thing, I, I I just want to get like a bottle of Detol or Sagrotan and just get to work at it. People are really unhygienic. I mean, I, I, having a cold does. I mean, when I used to be a smoker, hocking a loogie was a, a daily activity. You'd you'd have your first cigarette and you'd cough, and like all the evil that had been sitting on your in your throat overnight would would come flying out. But yeah, I mean, I, I, if I do it. And I have done it. Actually, I did it last week. Um, it was at seven o'clock in the morning and I did it down a drain as I was walking to work because I had like this cold and all this mucus and everything. So that's quite normal. Yeah. But like a lift, oh. fucking lift, man. Like that is just where pe other people are going to be. Oh, grim, grim. Oh. Um, what I often think about is when I was a dirty teenager smoking, smoking tabs in the yeah. underpass. You could always tell where kids had been sitting because there'd be loads of fag ends and loads of spit on the floor where people have been spitting because mm. it was kind of like what you did so mm -hmm. yeah. can't say i'm a big fan personally my boyfriend's really nice about it so whenever i have school holidays and i get to be in frankfurt with him he comes over to my place he picks me up then he drives me over because that way i avoid the long train drive to Frankfurt where mm -hmm. lots of people are coughing and mm -hmm. I mean in Germany people do wear masks I think like occasionally yeah. but we were in the Netherlands over Christmas and there was not one mask to be seen. Yeah I mean I've noticed a lot more people wearing masks and I mean it's a good thing. I think I'd sort of promised myself I would continue doing it but the peer pressure's kind of kind of got to me and I haven't done since the pandemic at least I haven't worn a mask. 
Maybe Nick, have you got one to go with your pink shoes that match the color? That you know. Oh, you know, a pink pink mask, pink shoes, mate. That's not a bad and combination. And pink underwear. Um, I mean, did you see my underwear when I got up before? Uh, I wouldn't. Like I to say. forgot to look. I, I wore. I right, listener. I get. I get dogs abuse from these two about seeing my pants every time I stand up because my my jeans tend to sag, right? But and so today I wore especially nice pants. Um, they're very colourful. Uh, I believe the theme of the pants is Day of the Dead. So, hey, now, Dilly, are you confused the way I am confused by this term pants? Because, like, where I come from, pants are like trousers. I am too. Thank you. High five. But, yeah. but it seems to be only uniquely in the UK. When they talk about pants, they're talking about underpants. Sorry, and underpants sorry you're all only. speaking American English. Jeez. Look, it's, it's, got, it's, I don't say pants. Here, you two, I you say two, jeans and underwear. You two routinely complain about being bloody colonized and you've self-colonized thanks to fucking adopting American English. Honestly, there's, tragic. That's neither tragic. here nor there, Nick. Well, I don't care personally, but if it means I get to take the piss out of you two, then it's definitely got value. It's bollocks. You know how I spell. I spell British English. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're talking about As sidewalk and garbage, do you? Do you throw stuff in the trash there, Simon? <laughs> How come you wear two pairs of pants then? Like right, just so one I on top trousers, and one underneath. Trousers or jeans. And underwear. Pants. Can't you say yeah, underwear pants. like all of your pants. people? They would be pants. They're triggered by the word underwear. You know, you know how British. I mean, I'm British, are. man. Do you know what word oh. really just makes me makes my skin crawl? Panties. What? Oh, oh. <laughs> I love. I like that oh. word. I used to use it as a kid, and I still say it. panties. It makes me. Oh, don't say it. it makes just never like. Oh, oh, I hate it. It makes makes me really makes me like. Yeah, but men don't wear panties, right? No, That's I the stop point. saying it though. Like, just stop saying <laughs> it. Like, why? Oh, God, jeez, Dilly. Panties, Nick. I've never wanted to quit the podcast before, but now I'm fucking thinking about it. <laughs> Honestly, it's rank work. And he's definitely like, British, this man. And you're the worst bit about it, right? Because I think, I think, I think a lot of women like think it's kind of a sexy word, I guess. And like every woman who said it in a context, in any context at all, has just made me go, like, "Oh, I don't find that attractive at all." So, do British women do they wear pants as well? Um, uh, it's a good question. Actually, I hadn't thought about that. Do British women? I don't really think. I don't think about it. I don't. Because, well, first and first and foremost, I'm a gentleman, so I don't I don't really spend my time talking about women's underwear because you know, like because I'm I don't want to say it, but I will say it. It's because I'm better than you. But um, so <laughs> what would you say then if it's not panties? I wouldn't because oh, well, in my internal monologue, I'd say pants. I guess quite pants? happy with that. I guess oh. like. And it depends what kind of pants they are. There's different kinds of pants, right? Yoga pants. You can have a sexy pair of pants. Yoga pants are quite sexy and true. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't. Another word, uh, was it the male male thongs are called tangas, right? But in German, tanga is thongs. just the word for... Th- yeah, so in British, and yeah, so in like this, this, and this is how I know, right? Well, I used to work for Asda <laughs> and Asda used to have like a, um, a clothes department called George. And I remember the there was... <laughs> They started, because it was a big buzz around the, sh- the shop, they started selling male thongs and they were called tangas, right? And I remember that word because I was like, it's a fucking weird word. And also, it's a creepy word, right? Anyway, um, <laughs> like budgie smuggler, I could live with, right? But tanga, right? And then it turns out, actually, that's the word they use in German just for thongs. How do you spell it? I think it's T-A. A tanga, T-A-N-G-A. Yeah, they um, have tangas. So what are they like, Nick? 
have fucking no idea because I obviously didn't buy them, did I? <laughs> but I thought I you were familiar with the Asda underwear selections. Look, I worked. I was a professional. I worked for the shop, and I knew what products we fucking sold. All right. Did you think that you're not we would think that Nick I'm, was I'm, just I'm, there smelling them or something? I've had I've had eight hours sleep, kids. You're getting like coherent, fully aware, Nick. Unlike the last six six weeks or so, where I've been like, oh, I can't can't think because I'm half asleep. Oh no, get ready, get ready, kids. <laughs> um, is this how you wanted the show to start tonight, Nick? I honestly, I had no intention, but apparently I'm starting in a very combative mood. And I think, if anything, it's because my, my blood's up because our discussion last week about the bakery goblin received quite a decent amount of listener feedback. Mm -hmm. And one piece of feedback in particular was from regular listener Tina. And it was an incredibly long DM. And have you ever seen that film where Al Pacino plays the NFL coach? any given Sunday, I think it is. Oh, and he gives yeah. this speech at the end that's really famous about fighting for every inch. And like, it's really mo super motivational, right? Effectively, what Tina did was write that as a DM message and was basically like, stand up for yourself. You, you're amazing. You can do this. And it was like really like, I'm not going to read it out because I think it would be unfair to Tina to like diverge her super motivational skills. But like, I read it when she sent it. I read it again that evening. I read it yesterday morning. I read it this morning. I think I'm going to, it's like my um, um, affirmation, my morning affirmation. Your mantra. Now. Yeah, mantra. like it's just fucking, it's like, just like, like think about what example you're setting your daughter and think about yourself and like, like yeah. you're a good person. And I was just like, yeah, man, Tina's, Tina's yeah. like, I'm so glad she's on my side, right? <laughs> so that was lovely. And then the lovely Simon Edmonds, who uh, follows us on Twitter, he, um, I hope he, you don't mind us using your full name, but you are on a public platform. So um, Simon's always like in or around the, the posts we make for each episode. And he wrote a lovely post and, and it said, uh, on your bakery goblin, my wife had a similar experience, different town, different shop, but similar bad behavior. So two of her German friends stepped in. And it was nothing better than a German telling off a German. It's like, that's oh, not a bad idea. I feel like I wouldn't like I wouldn't be grabbing the bull by the horns if I did that. But I'd quite like to see my wife tear strips off her. So and then um another had another post on Twitter, and this was from 26 Sues, and uh, they said, uh, currently I have two bakery goblins who constantly chat amongst themselves or fiddle with their phones, not on a Saturday. One of them gets indignant when I try and distract her for buying a croissant on my way to work. Being German, I already complained to her directly. Well, that's interesting. Being German, she didn't write a letter or an email or something that would you know, might have assumed might happen first. I think I've got okay. to speak to. I've got. To, I've got to wait until it happens again and then say something. Yeah. Um, although I saw them on Saturday, but I didn't have any recourse to sort of buy bread, so I didn't actually interact with them. But um, as if my suspicions were were not aroused already, they did a double take when I when I when I walked past. So there's clearly, there's clearly recognition and a recognized animosity. Be funny if she turns out to be one of the podcast's listeners. <laughs> well, I love you. I love you on the podcast. No, I don't think, I don't think that they listen to a podcast. If it is, it's like how to be a, how to be a bellend. If I lived close by, I'd have like, you know, come uh, joined you in solidarity. Got a few of my friends, maybe. We could have like staged something. I mean, I don't want to go mob-handed. 
I don't want to turn up with like axe handles and uh, pitchforks. I think also it's something I have to deal with myself. Do you know when I was talking to you about last week, I just thought it was a funny story. And then actually when I listened to the segment on um, uh, on Saturday, I was like, oh, no way, I'm being bullied. <laughs> like I need, to, I need to actually do something about this. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I have to do it on my own, I think. Take the boy by the horns, Nick. Indeed, indeed. Um, and another update, um, aside from my bakery goblin dilemma, was, uh, yeah, there's been more farmer protests announced. The president of the German Farmers Association, Joachim Ruckvied, has announced new nationwide protests by farmers against the cuts planned by the government that we talked about last week. He said the same applies to the budget as to any other law, only when everything has really been negotiated to the end is it negotiated, which seems highly cryptic or heavily translated. But yeah, so it looks like we're going to be in a position where we're going to get lots more tractor-related content, which I know all of us on the podcast enjoy so much. I mean, we do enjoy tractor-related content, right? I am going to assume, is this one of the things that your brother-in-law, Chris, brought upon you? Tractor content? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm only thinking, I'm only just thinking about like, every time there's a farmer's protest, all social media is for me is just pictures of people on fucking tractors. So I was just thinking more about more photos of tractors. Oh, did you see the photo of uh, Christian Lindner trying to get on a tractor? So I only saw in brand it. new shoes. Was it in brand new shoes? Nice and very clean looking, expensive Wellington boots. But um, Yes, in green Wellington boots, right? Yeah, yeah. And on but the wrong side of the tractor. <laughs> that was yes. it. The tweet I'd yes. seen was like, what what Christian Linder doesn't understand. He's a photo of him basically climbing on to like a tractor to get on in the in the cabin of the tractor. And the tweet had said something like what Christian Linder doesn't understand about the Fent, the Fent three three thousand two hundred and six B is that the door is on the other side. <laughs> it's just like, it's a, a fucking, I, I love this genre of politics, of politicians yes. cosplaying yeah. as normal people. I think it might be my favorite aspect of politics. Armin Laschet. Yeah. Special shout out. Was he dressed as, he was dressed as something for fashion, wasn't he? And he looked uh, just painfully ridiculous. I remember him paying a visit to the coal, coal mining factory. And he yeah, had it's the coal, coal mine, darling. Coal the, mine. Yeah, and he, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I didn't know. I don't know whether he actually went down into the mine. There was some factory business, and he had black smudges all over his face, but very carefully, uh, not not around the eyes. If, I mean, obviously, he's just like gone at it with his hands. The uh, the reason I was thinking about it was because I was having a class. And we were talking about British prime ministers and how much they love dressing up as as, as members of the military. Because um, oh. there's a fine line in like Margaret Thatcher. I think John Major did it. Tony Blair didn't do it. I don't think Gordon Brown did. David Cameron did. Theresa May didn't. Boris Johnson, of course, did. Uh, Liz Truss definitely did. And Rishi Sunak has as well. So. Of course, um, Churchill did as well, famously, didn't he? Well, he was at war, so you've got to cut him some slack, right? Well, and he was actually quite, from all accounts, quite a physically brave chap too, from what I understand. Churchill, there's there's a lot of oh. there's a lot of myth making about Churchill. Churchill went uh. and fought 
in, in the, on the front in the First World War. Mm. But really, when you look at, when you listen to or read any reports from witnesses, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't kind of in much danger, uh, particularly. Um, but he was quite gung ho. Yeah, definitely gung ho because he took flying lessons, didn't he? Mm. And that was, uh, you know, obviously between the wars, which must have been quite a gamble in those days. I would have thought it's still a gamble, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> flying sorry. a Cessna is still a gamble. It's as much a gamble as flying a um, Sopworth camel. Oh, good, good uh, plane knowledge. Sopworth camel. Oh, um, anyway, I was going to say a Fokker DR1, but that's just me. That's my preference. Um, yeah, I think I think it, I think he was he was kind of of that class and, and level of wealth where you kind of do ridiculously exciting things because your life is that tedious um that you need to inject some excitement into it but um but yeah so i mean there is that that whole like desire for more welly tractor content online which we'll definitely be getting with the arrival of uh, of another farming protest i had another question which was something i was thinking about it's, it's more like a shower thought than actual question Mm -hmm. which is, do you reckon that all those Germans who love those farming simulators, given that farming simulators are often some of the most popular games sold in Germany through the year, do you reckon all those Germans who love those farming simulators also love sitting in traffic behind tractors because it's like an opportunity to be up close with the thing they love the most? Or do you reckon they get like really annoyed being stuck in traffic because of tractors? I bet they're torn. <laughs> I bet they're genuinely torn. It's like, uh, oh, it's quite nice though. <laughs> oh, traffic. Oh, John Deere. <laughs> hey, have you ever wondered why all tractors are green? <laughs> this is a camouflage. Uh, it's too well, but, but they're only green here in Germany, right? Because like the tractors that, where I come from, you've got the red Massey Ferguson's and you've got the sort of orange Kubotos. But all the John Deere's, okay, John Deere's are green, but it seems like the John Deere's are green here, and then the other German brands, I presume, are, mm. are green as well. It's it's very green. I think Fent do like red ones. There's oh. a Fent factory around the corner from us, and they, oh. they I think they do mostly red and blue. But yeah, you're right. There's a lot of green ones. I just assumed it was so they wouldn't get attacked by their natural predators. Uh, the natural I, predators being, being, I don't know, what's the natural predator of a combine harvester? I guess like, I don't know. Um, this starts to sound like a, an episode of Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> Maybe it is. If you've got any ideas why all tractors are green, aside from them being John Deere, do let us know, listeners, on uh, decadesfromhome at gmail.com, or you can tweet us. Wait till the end to get all the uh, exciting contact information. Our third update, of today's show is actually, I think, some of the most positive news we've had in Germany uh, since maybe last year. And it's a, a positive that comes out of a, a really big negative. So across the country over the weekend, there were um, demos in most major cities against the far right. And this is a continuance of the story we discussed last week. Um, there was some demos last week, but they got they got into full gear over the weekend, motivated in part by the stories of um, uh, members of the AfD meeting uh, right wing extremists and talking about this policy of remigration. They, they reckon about four hundred thousand people were, were out over the weekend in Berlin alone. Uh, the police themselves 
have said that more than 900,000 people took part in demonstrations against right-wing extremism and the protection of democracy over the weekend. Around 360,000 people were out on Saturday and maybe about 550,000 on, uh, on Sunday. Uh, the demonstrations were also uh, a signal to all people with a migrant background that living in Germany is where they belong, which I thought was a really lovely sentiment. In Munich, the demo actually had to be cancelled. And I was when I read that, I was like, oh God, what happened? Was there trouble? No, no trouble. It was just overcrowding because there was 80,000 attempted protesters, which is thousands more than the organizers were expecting. Um, tens of thousands gathered in Cologne, 35,000 people protested in Frankfurt, on Main and Hanover, 30,000 in Dortmund, 9,000 in Thuringia, in Erfurt, uh, where the AfD politician Björn Höcke, who we talked about last week, mm. wants to take over the government. So I think that's also a very strong signal. And as I said, uh, tens of thousands gathered in the square in front of the Bundestag in Berlin on Sunday, and police estimated about 100,000 participants at around 4.45 p.m. Uh, but there was a large influx expected, and organizers uh, suggested there was as many as 350,000 participants, although the police questioned those numbers because they believe that's probably too high. In Bavaria, there were roughly 130,000 people in the streets with banners declaring, Björn Hooker is dein Nazi, um, mm. which is, yeah, one of, well, one of the many facts that was on display. Um, and we had um, Lieber Kunterbund als Kackbraun, which was one of my favorite um, slogans, which is better colorful than, than shit brown, <laughs> which is a reference to the slogan, so-and-so is bunt, um, which is um, like Augsburg is bunt or, or something like this, which is like a term that, we, that is used to talk about being accepting and being multicultural and being open and being kind of open to, to, to all types of, of, of people. Um, so I did like that. And the other one was, Stop the Brandstifter, which is stop the arsonists. Arsonists, obviously, yeah, being the yeah. AfD. In Nuremberg, there were several rounds of Ganz Nuremberg hast die AfD, which is the whole of Nuremberg hates the AfD, which was chanted by protesters. And organizers also commented that in most areas, it was common that far more protesters turned up than actually had registered. And it literally warmed the cockles of my heart to see Germany stand up. If, I mean, same here. I think um, during our last episode, I made fun of like, yeah, yeah I mean, um, I'm probably going to be um, also sent away and deported because I can't say my umlauts. But at the end of the day, I mean, I have my privilege. I have my times when I'm uh, not privileged. But given everything, it's such a sad turn of affairs. I mean, racism kills and people just wondering whether they have a life here, whether they have a future here, when we've invested everything we have in this country. It's devastating. And I, I know like kids in my neighborhood who, uh, who talk, who, who crack jokes about this, but I know that it's like every household is vibrating with the news and not in a good way. You're upending lives, you're upending futures. And... Some of the TikToks I've seen have also got me on edge because uh, the response is, oh, well, now you won't get any more döner, you won't get any more pizza, and you won't get any more souffleki or whatever mm. it is because uh, the various people are going to be sent back to their various countries. But it's so much more than that. 
I don't think we should be spoken about uh, in terms of what we have on offer. It's not like we are fucking tradespeople. It's mm. human lives. I hope the discourse changes course. Like my my wife, my wife and I had a really interesting conversation, and she kind of checked my privilege a little bit. And I think this is something that's inherent to British people. When we get angry, or when we get upset, or when we um, feel strong emotions, our tendency is to direct that energy into humour and take mm. the piss out of it yeah. and reduce the problem by yeah. making fun of it. And that's my instinct on everything. And something I talked about last week about can we not just start like just taking the piss out of these people that it's fucking ridiculous some of the shit they get up to and i was still in that kind of mode when i was talking to to my wife she said some really interesting things and one of the things she said like she got really angry actually actually because I, I was trying to kind of trying to lighten the mood with 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 my kind of british humor and yeah. she like looked us dead in the eye and went do you not realize like they're talking about you they're talking about us like that, that this is a direct threat to us as a family and they would send you back. And I was actually like, well, like, yeah, I understand that, but like, this is how I deal with it. And she's like, no, we've got to be, we've got to be serious. And then she said something that really, really hit home. And she said, I don't want to have to explain to my daughter or my son or my grandkids why we didn't do something about it. Yeah. And I was like, fuck. Like that really resonated. And I was like, how many people in Germany must feel like that? Where they're like, I don't want to have this conversation with, with young people. Why don't we do enough to stop it? Like we know what's happening. We can see what's happening. We better fucking do something about it. And so there's a planned protest in Augsburg. Is it this weekend or next weekend? But we're like, we didn't go, we didn't go this, this past weekend. And we're like, we're booked into that one. Um, I'm going to make signs and everything. Um, I'm totally up for it. Cause, cause she's right, you know, like you've got to, you've got to fucking stand up and it's, it's heartwarming to see, I haven't, I haven't for months and months and weeks and weeks seen the stuff that's been trending on Twitter being a lot to do with like kind of racist stuff, but to see things like Germany stands up and kind of talking about the protests, was it Deutschland steht auf, I think is the, the term that I'd seen. Um, and, and it's just like, it, I think there's a lot of people who have finally had enough and want to actually state that they're not they're not inclined towards the far right and they don't agree with their policies and I think yeah. it's really it's really great. Do you think there's a concern that we're seeing a um rural urban divide? I think there's always been a rural urban divide to, if, if, if I'm honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine that, but I guess what I was wondering about is is that divide growing? And um, how could we measure that? How could we be aware of that if it was? Well, I think it's, I forget the name. There's a journalist, I think he works for the Financial Times now, but he definitely worked for The Economist on the Berlin desk for a long time. I think his name's Jake Cunliffe. And he, he wrote an interesting essay about the divide of Germany between like, um, I think what is it he talked about, like the lakes and the rivers. And the rivers were like the rural areas and the lakes were kind of the urban areas and that there's this divide has existed for a long long time and i think yes and no but i also know that like a lot of young people even if the vote C like vote csu don't don't agree with with the far right and aren't happy with the situation and i think there is some divide between the countryside and the cities but 
I don't know how wide that gap is. I reckon it's more it's more a geographical issue, and I think it's also an age demographic issue to a certain extent. There's a lot made of like young people voting for the RFD, but like, I mean, you see, the statistics are what they are. But I, I've yet to meet a young person that's fervently for the RFD, like in any in any situation yet at all. Um, I've met people who vote for the CSU, but never someone who's voted for the RFD. So that that that's all I can really say on that point. But um, I wonder, I wonder if this is a real turning point. And whether the RFD are going to start to see their support wane um, from those people who are like, nah, this is not what I've signed up to. And there's two things that I was thinking about that might highlight that issue. One of them is we talked last year about the Bavarian member of the RFD parliamentary group, Daniel Halemba, who had been found to have various sort of not banned items, but like far right items. I think there was like Nazi memorabilia and some other stuff that had been found in his home and that a warrant had been issued for his arrest just before the beginning of the Bavarian parliament. And there was um, a big outcry and the AfD nationally was like, we need to get this guy out of the party. And the local group has actually decided to keep him in the party despite all the, um, the issues surrounding them. And this is what they said, like, this is their reasoning behind it. It's fucking batshit, right? So the spokesperson for the RFD in Bavaria is um, a woman called Katrin Ebner Steiner. And they gave a press conference at the weekend. And she said their policy now was one for all, all for one. And she claimed that the Bavarian way of life for Halemba, this is live and let live. And that must also apply here. And that is why we've decided that this matter is over for us too. So they're not going to do anything about it because live and let live. You might have a fascist next door, but you know, live and let live. So that's like, I think the more they're in power and the more they're visible, people understand their shit. And a continuance of that is Alice Weidel gave a interview with the Financial Times, the topic of which was Dexit or the German, yeah. German Brexit, basically. And I was like, oh, I think you might have cracked yourself now because I don't think anyone, anyone in the right mind looks at Britain and goes, that's a model to follow. And it's disingenuous because she's never going to, the party's never going to be big enough to enact something like that. And I just wonder, now, now they're really visible. People who maybe not seen them before are going to see them and go, mm, actually, that's not for me. I don't want that. And maybe, maybe this concept of them being a protest vote it's going to wane slightly. I think you bring up an interesting point that all this publicity and their infamousness might actually not stand them in good stead, the IFD, I mean. Because now you also see them for who they are. And it's not a case of all publicity being good publicity for them. I, I really hope that that's how it works out. I personally do not know anyone who votes for them, but I do know people who say, well, I know, I know it's all nationalism, but, and there are people that say that, and I hope that's just where they are that day and yeah. not how they vote. Well, I think, I think there's some fundamental differences between Britain and Germany for, for one being the media who, who on the mass think this is a, Dexit is a dumb idea. And I think yeah. the more that happens, the more they're in the spotlight, the more they're being interviewed, 
the more they have to engage with the reality of their policies, the more I think people are going to be turned off by them. If it gives you a sense of how worried the right wing seem about the the protests, they were quite quick to react to the images of, of protests across Germany at the weekend. A lot of right wing trolls were trying the hardest to mitigate uh, numbers. A lot of them uh, learned some important lessons about the perspective of photos because they would take two photos and one, a well, very popular one of, of, of in the center of Hamburg. And you basically had a, an almost bird's eye view of, of the crowd yeah. and then a, a much lower camera angle. And they were going, oh, look, they've added people in here. You can see because that's where the water is. And it was just because the perspective was different. And there was a lot of that. Bjorn Hooker, for his part, came out and, and tried to rubbish reports of, of protests. Um, the RFD themselves have complained there's a campaign being waged against them by left-wing green class, whatever that is. It sounds a lot like Wokenista and Lefty Lawyer, which are jibes that have been thrown around by the Tories in the UK. And it seems like they're taking a lot of notes from the Tories in the UK. And actually, I was, th I was thinking about it, and I was like, it's quite a fair argument, really, because um, there is a campaign being waged against them. It's just not by any secret cabal. It's just by ordinary people who don't like their racist, fascist shit. Well, exactly. That was kind of my my reaction. Is like, yeah, <laughs> there's a campaign because yeah. we hate you. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> it's not like a secret group. We're literally we're painting signs and getting out on the streets to show our dislike for you. There's, there's um, no big money behind us. We just no, hate you. <laughs> we're just just ordinary people who don't like your shit. And of course, um, I'll leave the last the last word to everyone's favourite Bavarian right winger. The Freie Wähler's uh, Hubert Aiwanger, who we've talked a lot about in 2023, he took a break from touring the farmer protests and ignoring all those images of gallows hanging effigies of uh, the German government. And he complained that the protests were being co-opted by left-wing extremists. And I just thought, mate, Hubie, mate, come on, like, does do you really does anyone believe your shit? Because I think only only the, the the dumbest people would believe that that was a thing when you've got like families. And like ordinary people, and like like the the across the political spectrum coming out, there's no left wing extremism there. And they also he also made this mad claim that the youth wing of the Green Party is under investigation for anti constitutional activities. And I was just like, it's weak, mate. It's weak. Um, interestingly, they've dropped three points in the polls. Um, have the the Freie Wähler, so not quite as popular as they were in October. Um, so yeah. But all in all, pretty positive stuff. The big news story last week was the Bundestag passing a new law on citizenship, which now allows for dual citizenship for non-EU passport holders and makes the path to citizenship easier for thousands of residents. Just like you, dear listener. One of the drivers, or definitely the, one of the, the uh, media outlets that I've been reading uh, on this particular topic is the local.de um, and that's our friends Aaron Burnett and Rachel Loxton who have both been on the podcast lovely guests they are too and they've been big drivers behind this story and they were right across it from the beginning uh, of the announcement last year and they've done some great work tracking it so a lot of what we have to say has been co-opted slightly from their work and, and their tweets so if you don't know them already go and find them they are pure lush. Anyway, um, we have our own intrepid reporter 
to take us through this story. Uh, Producer Simon, tell us um, what, what interesting information have you found out about this new uh, life-changing law? Well, okay. So obviously there was a lot of excitement last Friday as we record this. So I guess it'll be a week Friday backwards from when the podcast comes out. Okay, this is always difficult to talk about. But anyway, it, it's it's over just over a week old as you listen to this, uh, dear listener. The fact that the, the new law uh, had been approved by the Bundestag. First thing, and, and by the way, I, yeah, I've, I've taken a lot of information out of the reporting by the local DE, and also their uh, excellent podcast, which is called Germany in Focus. And I recommend anyone who's at all interested in, in Germany having a listen to that uh, podcast, which comes out, uh, usually comes out on a Friday, if I remember correctly. Anyway, so the thing that's maybe a little bit interesting is that the new law still needs to be approved by the Bundesrat. And of course, if we have not been bored by me in the past, we will remember that the Bundesrat uh, represents the the 16 states in, in Germany, the federal states. However, no delays are expected. Now, this is a little bit interesting because remember the, the story from episode 155 where we talked about the proposed reforms of the federal traffic laws and how that got rather unexpectedly nixed by the Bundesrat. Well, in the case here, we're not expecting a repeat of that drama because there are a couple of reasons that um, that Aaron had actually flagged up in his piece in the local, which was that the federal government has already consulted with both state governments and the Bundesrat itself on this law a number of times last year, all without the Conservatives being able to kill or stall the draft in consultation or committee stages. So that's the first point. Second point is that the draft law, as it is currently written, doesn't change the German constitution, have an effect on state finances or federal state administrative sovereignty. As such, the Bundesrat must be consulted and nominally approve the law, but cannot block it in any meaningful way, according to parliamentarians within the governing coalition. So all going well then, and and indications are that things will go well. The law is expected to come into force in either April or May of this year. So that's three months after the federal president constitutionally certifies it, um, which is basically a formality after the Bundesrat approves it. There's quite a bit of detail in the locals reporting explaining how they come up with these dates of, of uh, uh, April or May. So if you want to look into that, um, you, you can do so. Now, the, the thing is that Nick has already mentioned, or he's already talked about this dual nationality or dual citizenship. In fact, the law actually allows, or the new law will actually allow for multiple nationalities, not just dual nationalities. So that means if a person... Um, who might be here living as an immigrant into Germany now who already has dual citizenship, they can actually, they'll be able to in the future be able to get a third citizenship. So there doesn't seem to be any uh, limit to the number of uh, passports you can you can hold under under this law. The, the other thing that's maybe worth remembering is that 
other countries may actually not permit multiple nationalities. So, for example, if you're uh, an Indian passport holder, you'll still have to choose one citizenship because it's actually the Indian government that doesn't allow you to, to hold dual, um, dual citizenship. And the other thing that I, I just wanted to mention at this point is that if you're applying now, what happens? Well, if the law changes during the processing of your application, you won't have to give up your previous nationality nationalities. In other words, the impact on your case, uh, it's, it's not from when you started the application process. So um, if the law changes uh, after your process has begun, that's fine. You'll still be entitled to 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 have dual or whatever multiple um, citizenships. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the law seems a lot more liberal than I was expecting. I was quite surprised. I assumed that there was still some restriction to how many passports you could hold. But um, my dream of of having a uh, uh, this has been always my dream since since like uh, spy movies from the the seventies and eighties. Uh, that I was brought up on, uh, being able to have like a, a safety deposit box with multiple passports in it. It's a dream, right? So uh, that dream is now a possibility. Thank God. The regular Jason Bourne. That's all I have ever wanted. I want to I wanna lose my memory, have a, a safety deposit box and open it up and be confused because I've got loads of different passports. Wait, who am I? Dude, if, if you lost your memory, you wouldn't know who we were and you'd be all sad. <laughs> Well, no, because I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what I'd lost, sadly. I thought we were a bit precious to you. Apparently not. You are. I love you. As I said before the podcast, I think you are my best friends. Um, he did say I'm, that I'm before the podcast, I'm, listeners. I, I'm not shy to admit. I love you guys. Anyway, we love um, you too, this is a very... We've gone, we've gone, we've gone the full, full gamut of emotion here, haven't we? <laughs> we started belligerent See, Simon and still hasn't loving. said anything, and I'm trying to get like an... Where is your emotional maturity, Simon? He can't partake Sam, Sam, in this Simon has no emotion talk, can he? Uh-oh. We have some work uh, on our hands with Simon. Hey, hey, wait, hang on. There's a single tear, a single tear rolling down his cheek. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think it's I think it's really positive. I think there's a lot of listeners who will be delighted to find out this news and now can can apply for citizenship in the safe knowledge that they don't have to give up a nationality. Um, it also means, Dilly, I think... If Sri Lanka allows you to have uh, two passports, you can get Sri Lankan citizenship again. I think that's what it actually means. I think you can reapply. I think I think I think that's you have to double check, but I think that might be what it is. Oh shit! I think I've broken Dilly, but I think I, I think that's effect, effectively what it means. I was thinking about that. I was thinking, wouldn't she have to first migrate to Sri Lanka and then apply? So oh, I'm a German. I'm now migrating to Sri Lanka. Can I please apply to be a Sri Lankan now? But because I've had Sri Lankan citizenship previously, and since I was born there, I think I can reapply for citizenship without having to give up my German citizenship. This is a question I've always had ever since we started talking about this and debating this. Um, I it would be delightful because I'm the only person in my family who is not Sri Lankan, and it's it's been a very sore point with me. Mm. I I was I was going to ask, and maybe now it's not the right time because, and this is not about you, Dilly, but it's more about like I'm starting to wonder what citizenship actually is, and I mean because we normally think about who can play for which football team, and and that's sort of about it, right? So. I'm a bit confused, and I haven't seen anyone actually explain what citizenship 
means in a modern context. And mm-hmm. and things that kind of interest me are, you know, having lived for since before the turn of the century outside my home country, where I am still actually able to vote under certain circumstances, as long as I go back within every three years or five years, I'm, I'm allowed to vote in the general election in New Zealand. But I've never been able to vote in China, Taiwan, Philippines, Singapore, and yet I've paid a, a shit ton of of tax in all those countries. You know that whole thing about um, no taxation without representation, and and I know there's more to citizenship than that. But but I do actually have questions in my mind about what citizenship actually is, and. Maybe we don't have enough time to talk about it tonight, or maybe Nick, you can, you know, being the academic, you can point me towards some decent readings or something. Um, I can't direct you to any particular piece of writing. And all I can say is, I think it's the certain practicalities that is the reason why I took German citizenship. I feel in my mind I'm German and British. They're two I, like identities. And I guess, weirdly, you switch. I've come to kind of be comfortable with the realization that I'm German in Britain and British in Germany. So, like, that's kind of my thought. But there is a point in the process of German citizenship where you swear to, like, uphold the ideas of the Constitution. And I feel quite strongly that that's, that's the duty of, of the citizenship as you defend the, the rights that you've gained for future generations and i think that's something that i believe quite strongly but i don't know i mean i, I yeah I, 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 it's a good question I, i'm not i'm not quite sure what what citizenship is other than a, a piece of paper that says you your stuff resides in this location um your your family resides in this location or that you have the right to reside in a particular location and also pay tax I can also only add like my own personal experience. I mean, what citizenship or German citizenship has meant for me. It means I have a German passport. And the other side of the coin is that I have to very surprisingly, literally uh, hand over my Sri Lankan passport. And I didn't know that I had to do that. I knew that I would lose my Sri Lankan citizenship. They wouldn't let me keep it. And that was a very sad day, very bittersweet It means that uh, I I vote here. It means that I get to live here. I don't have to keep uh, renewing my visa uh, and uh, sell kidneys for it. It, it, It's very costly. And also, it's a huge strain mentally. I remember seeing uh, packages of milk when I bought them. And you, you see on the carton the expiry date. And it says, uh, ah, the 5th of May 2019 or something. And you realize that uh, your visa runs out uh, before that. And so like a carton of milk has more expiry than you do. Although that's, uh, you feel really bad when, when that kind of like hits you. I remember that I didn't even have like very proper winter coats because they are expensive. And it, there is no sense of permanence. And it's not, it wasn't even a conscious decision because just you're like, you know, I, I don't know if I'm staying or if I'm leaving and you don't buy things. Because if I go back to Sri Lanka, I won't need a winter jacket. <laughs> I barely need my own clothes in that climate. <laughs> so 
it means that I can apply for jobs and not have people think, ah, we, you know, she needs a permanent position from the get-go. So like a job isn't going to decide if I stay here or not. It's not tied to it. It means a lot of things. It also means that if you're doing online dating, people don't think that you are um, looking for a German husband. Uh, <laughs> I, I swear, this is why some of my early online dating things went awry, but no regrets. Um, I love you, Shanti. <laughs> 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 I think that's how we how we initially met was your you, you regaling me with stories about your uh, rather colourful experiences on dating mm -hmm. apps. But yeah, you know, I think that's right. I think there's the sense of permanence, the putting down of roots that I think as you get older becomes more and more important to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love the idea of being like nomadic. Mm. That's always been something that I've kind of like litless hobo lifestyle has always appealed to me. But I think it it just it, you feel you feel like you belong in some way. Yeah. Um, no. As ridiculous as it is to say that, because you got a bit of a bit of uh, plastic with a biometric photo on. But I I often find myself looking at that, and like it feels like a culmination of a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of um, pain and and sadness and happiness yeah. and and yeah and and, and I think I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine a world where I didn't live where I live and have the life that I have. And um, it means you get to pay, pay, pay it back a little bit. Yeah. Which I think is what I think the vast majority, if not all of the people who take up citizenship want, is to belong, but also to, belong. to show their worth, you know, to show their value in, in this new country. So, yeah. To live life to the fullest, and 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 it also means that you're. I mean, you thrive, and and the place you live in thrives as well. Is that's how it works, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, I think I think we can uh, we can leave it there. It's a good good place to end it. Good luck with your citizenship uh, applications, everybody. And let us know how it goes. That brings us to the end of the show. We off to find out why all tractors are green. Do you know, listeners? I don't know. Someone tell me. It's kind of freaking me out. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, which only takes a minute and can really help us. You can also rate us on Spotify, so chuck some stars our way there as well. Retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag Decades From Home, or lowercase, on Twitter. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Dilly on at Dilly Algema, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on decadesfromhome at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%german.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All I have to say is thanks, and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss! Tschüss.